Chris, you are back. I'm back. Thank you very much once again. We had a little happening, and, and Amy wasn't able to record, and that's okay. That's okay. And no, no problem. Chris is going to fill in. For Isaiah, we're going to cover essentially chapters 1 through 5 and 13 through 16. I have to tell you before we get started, it is a lovely day. I mean, it's evening now, but it almost feels like a Bay Area evening. Like, I'm waiting for the fog to roll in a little bit, put on a sweatshirt. It's one of those, it's just one of those days. It's lovely. Okay. I cannot relate. I did not grow up in the Bay Area. No, but you've been to the Bay Area. You know what it's like in the evening when, right around like five-ish when the fog starts to roll in a little bit. Yeah. Dress a little warmer. Yeah. Get a little cozy. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, how have you been? How was your Father's Day? Father's Day was this. It was yesterday. It was yesterday, the eighteenth of uh, June, and it was a beautiful Father's Day. Okay. I had a great time. Relaxing day. Okay. Good. Good. Yes. Thank you. You had cake. I had cake. I didn't come home and eat any cake. Oh no! The boys destroyed what was left of that cake. Yeah. It's okay. I figured as much. All right. So anything you want to chit-chat about before we get started? No. I'm ready to dive right in. All right. Let me say Let me say the prayer. I, I never prepare for the prayer, so. Just let it flow naturally. Oh, do you want to say the prayer? No. That's between you and God? That's between me and God. <laughs> Lord, please be with us as we talk about your word. Thank you for all that you have given us. Please be with all of those who aren't feeling well, who are going through a hard time. Just wrap them in your love and your comfort. Lord, please let us be more like you every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, well, let me put my readers back on. Now, last session we talked about the book of Hosea. Getting into this session, now the paragraph before scripture said, the end, it was titled The End of the Northern Kingdom. And it said, the, king, the kingdom of Israel never recovered from a beginning that included creating a rival religion, worshiping two calf idols at shrines in Dan and Bethel, instead of following God and worshiping him at his temple in Jerusalem. Ultimately, their judgment came on them in the form of Assyria's armies, conquering the land and scattering the people throughout their vast empire. After over 200 years of disobedience, Israel suffered the consequences of their sins. And then we get into 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 5. That said, then the king of Assyria invaded the entire land, and for three years he besieged the city of Samaria. The note for that, there was a note, and it said, this was Assyria's third and final invasion of Israel. The first wave had been merely a warning to Israel. To avoid further attack, they had to pay Assyria money and not rebel. The people should have learned their lesson and returned to God. When they didn't, God had allowed Assyria to invade again, this time carrying off some captives from the northern border. But the people still did not realize that they had caused their own troubles. Thus, Assyria invaded for the third and final time, destroying Israel completely, carrying away most of the people and resettling the land with foreigners. God was doing what he had said he would do. He had given Israel ample warning. 
They knew what would come, but they still ignored God. Israel was now no better than the pagan nations it had destroyed in the days of Joshua. The nation had turned sour and rejected its original purpose to honor God and be a light to the world. Did you have any questions or comments in that section? No. Okay, then the parallel verse is 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 9. And I didn't have anything for that. It was, it was essentially the same. Moving on to Isaiah chapter 28, verses 1 through 29. This was Isaiah's message about Samaria. And there was a note there. Would you mind reading the note? Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, represents the entire kingdom, ruled by a line of evil kings. When Israel split into two kingdoms after Solomon's reign, Jerusalem ended up in the southern kingdom. Leaders in the northern kingdom, wishing to stay entirely separate from their relatives to the south, set up idols to keep the people from going to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. Thus, the people in the northern kingdom were led into idolatry. Isaiah gave this message to Israel to warn them that destruction was certain. It was also meant to encourage Judah to repent before being punished, as the northern kingdom was already experiencing. Thank you. Anything for there? No. Moving to 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 6 through 23. And I thought we could read verses 6 through 12. Now, would you like to do that, or would you like me to do it? Um, you do it. Okay. Finally, in the ninth year of King Hosea's reign, Samaria fell, and the people of Israel were exiled to Assyria. They were settled in colonies in Halath, along the banks of the Habor River, in Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. I apologize if I read that wrong, but... This disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worshipped other gods. They sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them safely out of Egypt and had rescued them from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. They had followed the practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them, as well as the practices the kings of Israel had introduced. The people of Israel had also secretly done many things that were not pleasing to the Lord their God. They built pagan shrines for themselves in all their towns, from the smallest outposts to the largest walled city. They set up sacred pillars and asherah poles at the top of every hill under every green tree. They offered sacrifices on all the hilltops, just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. So the people of Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Yes, they worshipped idols despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. One of the notes said, God's patience and mercy are beyond our ability to understand. He will pursue us until we either respond to him or by our own choice and hardness of heart make ourselves unreachable. Then God's judgment is swift and sure. The only safe course is to turn to God before our stubbornness puts us out of his reach. Now, would you mind reading 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 18 through 20, please? Because the Lord was very angry with Israel, he swept them away from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah remained in the land, but even the people of Judah refused to obey the commands of the Lord, their God, 
for they followed the evil practices that Israel had introduced. The Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel. He punished them by handing them over to their attackers until he had banished Israel from his presence. And then 2 Kings chapter 18 verses 10 through 12 is the parallel verse and it's just a it's a much shorter account of what we just read. Anything for there? No. Okay, moving on to 2 Kings chapter 17 verses 24 through 41 and we uh, I'm going to read verses 24, 25 and then 27. The king of Assyria transported groups of people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, Sepharvaim, and resettled them in the towns of Samaria, replacing the people of Israel. They took possession of Samaria and lived in its towns. But since these foreign settlers did not worship the Lord when they first arrived, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. The king of Assyria then commanded, send one of the exiled priests back to Samaria. Let him live there and teach the new residents the religious customs of the God of the land. And this section of Second Kings was titled Foreigners Settle in Israel. Now there was a note that went with that, and if you wouldn't mind reading it. The new settlers in Israel worshipped God without giving up their pagan customs. They worshipped God to appease him rather than to please him treating him as a good luck charm or just another idol to add to their collection. A similar attitude is common today. Many people claim to believe in God while refusing to give up attitudes and actions that God denounces. God cannot be added to the values we already have. He must come first, and his word must shape all our actions and attitudes. Thank you. Now, moving on to this part is called the era of Judah alone. And the paragraph before scripture said, after seeing their brothers and sisters carried away into exile, the people of Judah still lapsed into sin. Isaiah begins by bringing a message of divine judgment for both Israel and Judah. Starting with Isaiah chapter 1 verses 1 through 20, this section is called a message for rebellious Judah. And could you please read Isaiah 1 1 please? These are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. Thank you. You're welcome. And the note there says, Isaiah was a prophet during the time when the original nation of Israel had been divided into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. The northern kingdom had sinned greatly against God, and the southern kingdom was headed in the same direction, perverting justice, oppressing the poor, turning from God to idols, and looking for military aid from pagan nations rather than help from God. Isaiah was primarily a prophet to Judah, but his message was also for the northern kingdom. Sometimes Israel refers to both kingdoms, Isaiah lived to see the destruction and captivity of the northern kingdom in 722 BC. Thus, his ministry began with warning the northern kingdom. And then the other note said, as long as the people of Judah continued to sin, they cut themselves off from God's help and isolated themselves. 
When you feel lonely and separated from God, remember that God does not abandon you. Our sins cut us off from him. The only sure cure for this kind of loneliness is to restore a meaningful relationship with God by confessing your sins, obeying his instructions, and communicating regularly with him. And then would you mind reading um, Isaiah chapter 1 verses 13 and 15, please? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. I thought we should include those verses because that's kind of intense. For the Lord to say, stop bringing me your meaningless gifts, it, it disgusts me. Yeah. And the note says God was unhappy with their sacrifices, but he was not revoking the system of sacrifices he had initiated with Moses. Instead, God was calling for sincere faith and devotion. The leaders were carefully making the traditional sacrifices and offerings at holy celebrations, but they were still unfaithful to God in their hearts. Sacrifices were to be an outward sign of their faith in God, but the outward signs became empty because no faith existed. Why then did they continue to offer sacrifices? Like many people today, they had come to place more faith in the rituals of their religion than in the God they worshipped. Examine your own worship experience. Is it just entertainment as you enjoy the music and go along with what others do? Or is it genuine, heartfelt praise to God? God does not take pleasure in our outward expressions if our inward faith is missing. Okay, any are you good? Any questions, comments? Nope, I'm good. All right. Moving on to Isaiah chapter 1, verses 21 through 31. This section is titled, Unfaithful Jerusalem. And 125 says, I will raise my fist against you. I will melt you down and skim off your slag. I will remove all your impurities. The note says God promised to refine his people similar to the way that metal is purged with lye in a smelting pot. This process involves melting the metal and skimming off the impure slag until the worker can see his own image in the liquid metal. We must be willing to submit to God, allowing him to remove our sin so that we might reflect his image. Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 4, this is titled The Lord's Future Reign. And I thought we could just read this whole section, verses 1 through 4. Would you mind? No. This is a vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days... The mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teachings will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. 
we have a couple notes for there. The first one says, The temple was built on the mountain of the Lord, Mount Moriah, highly visible to all the people of Jerusalem. In the last days, the temple will attract the nations, not because of its architecture and prominence, but because of God's presence and influence. The other note said, God gave Isaiah the gift of seeing into the future. At this time, God showed Isaiah what would eventually happen to Jerusalem. Revelation 21 depicts the glorious fulfillment of this prophecy in the New Jerusalem, where only those who, whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be allowed to enter. God made a covenant or promise with his people and will never break it. God's faithfulness gives us hope for the future. Ask God to help you spread his word. Up next, we have Isaiah chapter 2, verses 5 through 22, a warning of judgment. And I'm going to read verses 11 and 12. Human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. For the Lord of heaven's armies has a day of reckoning. He will punish the proud and mighty and bring down everything that is exalted. One of the notes for that section says, We pay homage to cars, homes, sports stars, celebrities, money, etc. Idol worship is evil. One, it insults God when we worship something that he created rather than worshiping him. Two, it keeps us from knowing and serving God when we put our confidence in anything other than him. And three, it causes us to rely on our own efforts rather than on God. Did you want to read the other note for that section? The Lord's, quote, day of reckoning, end quote, is the day of judgment, the time when God will judge both evil and good. That day will come, and we will want a proper relationship with God when it does. Pride, however, will cripple us. God alone must be exalted as the first step toward developing that relationship with him. Thank you. Isaiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, judgment against Judah. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, will take away from Jerusalem and Judah everything they depend on, every bit of bread and every drop of water, and their heroes and soldiers, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, army officers and high officials, advisors, skilled craftsmen, and astrologers. And then would you mind reading verses 8 through 11, please? For Jerusalem will stumble and Judah will fall, because they speak out against the Lord and refuse to obey him. They provoke him to his face. The very look on their faces gives them away. They display their sin like the people of Sodom and don't even try to hide it. They are doomed. They have brought destruction upon themselves. Tell the godly that all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have earned. But the wicked are doomed, for they will get exactly what they deserve. Thank you. The note for that section says, The people would be proud of their sins, parading them out in the open. But sin is self-destructive. In today's world, sinful living often appears glamorous, exciting, and clever. But sin is wrong regardless of how society perceives it, and in the long run, sin will make us miserable and destroy us. God tries to protect us by warning us about the harm we will cause ourselves by sinning. Those who are proud of their sins will receive the punishment from God they deserve. 
Having rejected God's path to life, they had only one alternative, the path to destruction. And then the last note says, in the middle of this gloomy message, God gives hope. Eventually, the righteous will receive God's reward and the wicked will receive their punishment. It is disheartening to see the wicked prosper while we struggle to obey God and follow his plan. But let us keep holding on to God's truth and take heart. God will bring about justice in the end and he will reward those who have been faithful. Anything there? No. Okay, Isaiah three sixteen through 4, 1, a warning to Jerusalem. And I didn't have anything for that section. So we're going to move on to Isaiah chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, a promise of restoration. And would you mind just reading that section, verses 2 through 6, please? A promise of restoration. But in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of all who survive in Israel. All who remain in Zion will be a holy people. Those who survive the destruction of Jerusalem and are recorded among the living the Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem of its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. That's pretty. Thank you. The note says the branch of the Lord probably refers to the Messiah, although some believe it refers to Judah. The point is that during the distress predicted by Isaiah, some will be protected by God's loving grace. Those protected will be set apart to serve God when the Messiah rules the earth. Their distinctive mark will be their holiness, not wealth or prestige. This holiness comes from a sincere desire to obey God's moral standards and from their wholehearted devotion to him. Evil will not always continue as it does now. The time will come when God will put an end to all evil and his faithful followers will share in its glorious reign. Now, Isaiah chapter 5 verses 1 through 7 is a song about the Lord's vineyard. And I just had a note for that section. The lesson of the song of the vineyard shows that God's chosen nation was to bear fruit, to carry out his work to uphold justice. It did bear fruit, but the fruit was bad. Jesus said, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And that's from Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. Have you examined your own fruit lately? Quote unquote. Is it good or bad, useful or wild? Isaiah chapter 5, verses 8 through 30, Judah's guilt in judgment. And the note for that section said, in this section, God condemns six sins. One, exploiting others. Two, drunkenness. Three, taking pride in sin. Four, confusing moral standards. Five, being conceited. And six, perverting justice. Because of these sins, God punished Israel with destruction by Assyria. A similar fate was awaiting Judah if they didn't turn from their sins. Second Kings chapter 16 verses 19 through 20. I didn't have anything for there or the parallel verse, which was... Second Chronicles chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Uh, we move on to Isaiah chapter 13, verses 1 through 22, a message about Babylon. And the note there said, Isaiah had already spoken of judgment against the southern kingdom and to a lesser extent against the northern kingdom. 
Now he turns to messages of judgment on other nations. Isaiah 13 is an oracle or message from God concerning Babylon. Long before Babylon became a world power and threatened Judah, Isaiah spoke of its destruction. Babylon had been the rallying point of rebellion against God after the flood. Revelation 17 and 18 use Babylon as a symbol of God's enemies. At the time of this oracle, Babylon was still part of the Assyrian Empire. Isaiah communicated a message of challenge and hope to God's people, telling them not to rely on other nations, but to rely on God alone. And he let them know that their greatest enemies would receive from God the punishment they deserved. And then this final note for the section is really interesting. It says, even before Babylon became a world power, Isaiah prophesied that though it would shine for a while, Babylon's destruction would be so complete that the land would never again be inhabited. Babylon in present-day Iraq still lies in utter ruin buried under mounds of dirt and sand. Did you know that? No. No, I had no idea. Okay, moving on to Isaiah chapter 14, verses 1 through 23, a taunt for Babylon's king. And would you mind reading verses 1 and 2, please? 1 and 2, a taunt for Babylon's king. But the Lord will have mercy on the descendants of Jacob. He will choose Israel as his special people once again. He will bring them back to settle once again in their own land. And people from many different nations will come and join them there and unite with the people of Israel. The nations of the world will help the Lord's people to return, and those who come to live in their land will serve them. Those who captured Israel will themselves be captured, and Israel will rule over its enemies. Thank you. The note says a prominent theme in Isaiah is that non-Israelites will join the returning Israelites. Through the family of David, the whole world could be saved by Christ. God's word must be available to all groups in their own languages. We must not limit God's love to our own people. God loves the whole world. We must support and help those missions that are reaching out to people who haven't heard the good news of salvation. And then would you mind reading Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, please? How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the Most High. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Thank you. Now, the note for that says there are several interpretations for the fallen one in these verses. One, he is Satan because the person here is too powerful to be any human king. That's who I thought they were talking about. Although Satan may fit verses 12 through 14, he does not fit well with the rest of the chapter. Two, this could be, this could be Sennacherib or Nebuchadnezzar, kings with supreme power. Their people looked upon them as gods. These kings wanted to rule the world. Three, this could refer to both Satan and a great human king, possibly Nebuchadnezzar, because Babylon is pictured as the seat of evil in Revelation 17 and 18. Pride was Satan's sin as well as Babylon's. Common to all three viewpoints is the truth that pride willfully opposes God and will result in judgment. 
Israel made the mistake of being too proud to depend on God, and we are vulnerable to that same mistake. Anything? Nope. All right. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 24 through 27, a message about Assyria. And uh, I'm just going to read 24 and 25. The Lord of heaven's armies has sworn this oath. It will all happen as I have planned. It will be as I have decided. I will break the Assyrians when they are in Israel. I will trample them on my mountains. My people will no longer be their slaves nor bow down under their heavy loads. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 28 through 32. Isaiah had relayed God's message for the Philistines to not rejoice because the Lord was going to wipe out all but the poor and needy. That's what happened in that section. I didn't have any notes for there. And then finally, Isaiah chapter 15, verse 1 through 16, 14, a message about Moab. Would you mind reading um, verse 5, please? Then God will establish one of David's descendants as king. He will rule with mercy and truth. He will always do what is just and be eager to do what is right. Thank you. And the note for there said, When the people of Moab experienced God's wrath, they sought their own idols and gods. Nothing happened because there was no one there to save them. We may seek our own ways of escaping daily troubles, work, friends, pleasure, or even some human-made religious idea. But our only hope lies in God, the only one who can hear and help us. That's what I have. Very nice. That's what I have. Very nice. Is there anything you want to chat about? Anything on your mind? Anything that happened to you you want to talk about? No. I'm good. No, if I did, I certainly would. This is the forum in which to do it. Okay, let's give out some info. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy. And that's where you will find all of um, the upcoming readings. I have them listed on there. And then the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. And you can find all of the different um, places to listen to us. Spotify, iTunes, etc. Next time, we will be reading 2 Chronicles 29-31 through 31 and Proverbs 25-31. through 31. That's Very it. nice. That's it. Thank you again for filling in. I'm happy. I appreciate it. So there's always something different with when Amy's in and then when you're in. Sure. It's always a different dynamic. I read. She has banter. Yeah, but that's that's okay. Good. That's all right. You two actually balance each other out. As long as you're okay with it and your listeners are okay with it, I'm okay with it. Well, no one's complained yet. Good. You tell me if they do. I will. Maybe. Hope everyone has a blessed week. Yes, 